Good morning to you. A couple of weeks ago, uh, or last week actually, Pastor uh, preached a wonderful sermon for us. And uh, a number of times uh, he said, life happens. And he's right, life does happen. Uh, I work with a guy uh, at the Navy War College, and uh, he says things like, matter of fact, this is a, a common mantra for him, it is what it is. My mother used to have a saying that she said all of her life sort of like that. She would say things like, it's a great life if you don't weaken. A lot of things that we say about life isn't, aren't there. Uh, in the movie, uh, Father of the Bride, at the very end, there's a very uh, sort of nice little uh, ending to the movie where the grandmother comes in. After all of these things that have happened, all the ups and downs of, of that uh, experience that they had in getting their daughter married, and the grandmother comes in and she says, you know, when I was a, a little girl, I used to go and I'd ride a roller coaster. And it was really scary sometimes and really frightening. And then sometimes it was really a lot of fun. But, you know, there are some people that just didn't like riding a roller coaster. And they'd go and they'd ride the merry-go-round. And, you know, it was just, they just constantly went round and round in the same place. And, you know, and she said, you know, me, I like the roller coaster. Well, Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, reminds us that uh, in this roller coaster of a life, God provides us with the resources, the strength, that we can find endurance to live a joyful and victorious Christian life in the midst of that roller coaster life. And I'm going to read that for us. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us, lie, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father God, thanks so much that uh, you've given us this scripture. And I thank you so much, Lord, that we have these words before us to encourage us in life. Lord, we come to this church, this service this morning. We think of pastor and the group that are heading to Israel, and we pray for their safe journey and uh, spirit-filled journey as they go. We think of all of us who've come together from our different walks of life. And these verses apply to each of us, no matter where we find ourselves on that roller coaster. Lord, thank you and bless our time together this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. I left off a little bit earlier than I needed to. For consider him, it says, who endured such hostility against sinners, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. And I want to focus on those words this morning, that you might not grow weary and lose heart. Why is that important? Because those folks were on a roller coaster. And to understand just the roller coaster that they are experiencing, we need to go back uh, to the previous, uh, actually, chapter, t- uh, chapter 10, where it says in uh, chapter 10, verse 32, but remember the former days. Now, this is to the Hebrew Christians, and to understand their situation, they had been saved 
from their Jewish background or within their Jewish background. They were Hebrew Christians to the book of the Hebrews. We don't really know who uh, actually authored the book of Hebrews. Uh, it doesn't have the introductory uh, passages, etc., that Paul's letters have. And so there's a lot of argument as to who wrote it, which we don't necessarily get into. It sounds a lot like Paul. Sometimes they think maybe Barnabas. But uh, you know, there's an author, but it's to these Hebrew people who've been saved within that Hebrew tradition. And they endured a great deal of hostility as a result of that. But remember the former days, this is 1032, when after being enlightened, after you came to Jesus, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property knowing that you, that you have for yourselves a better possession, an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while he was coming will, not, uh, will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. My righteous one shall live by faith. Now that's really important. He says, you have need of endurance to live upon that roller coaster of life. Now, we all, if you've had any experience working in a gym or running or any kind of things, how do you build endurance? Lots of repetitions, right? And lots of miles and those kind of things. But the kind of endurance he's talking about here isn't physical endurance, it's faith endurance. And so the point that he's making is that if you're going to emerge victorious from all of these things that we're talking about in terms of the Christian life, you need to practice and repeat and experience and endure in God's faith. Matter of fact, this scripture, yet in a little uh, but my righteous one shall live by faith, that's really an important scripture. Uh, anybody know uh, how important that is for us? We wouldn't be here in a Baptist church this morning if not for that, that verse. That's the one that uh, Martin Luther came across in the book of Romans and started the entire Protestant Reformation, which is sort of an interesting insight. That's free, by the way. So <laughs> but anyway, so the point here is that if we're going to exist along this roller coaster of life, we need this endurance, and it's endurance by faith. And then he gives us uh, the point that we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to preserving of the soul. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old, and I'll stop there. We could read the entire chapter of 11 and go on. But by it the men of old. In Hebrews chapter 12, we see that uh, we have a wonderful resource to actually encourage us in this life of faith, along this roller coaster of faith, if you will. And that is, well, this group right here that we have in our, in our context. This great resource is this community of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the community of faith that is given to us here, they're called witnesses. So he says, we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And it is referring to exactly what's just happened in the last chapter. He's talking about Abraham and Sarah and Elijah, and all of these folks who lived in faith, and yet it says they did not receive what was promised. They did not receive the ultimate 
fulfillment of all that God has intended for us to receive. They were looking forward to it, and they never actually experienced it. And yet they were victorious as a result of their trust in God and their faith and their experience of that. How wonderful is that? Now, there's all sorts of other folks, like there is uh, Samson listed there, now, and also David. And sometimes, if you've studied uh, the lives of these two uh, gentlemen, sometimes uh, in the community of faith, we need bad examples too, right? And Samson certainly is a, one of those bad examples. And David, well, he was a man after God's heart. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of mistakes that he made that I don't want to live up to. But the scripture says, ultimately, he loved the Lord and always came back to him. So that's exciting and important. But that community of faith that says, how many are there? Well, I actually counted up for the sermon today. And uh, I counted more than 20 that are listed by name. But then there are hundreds that, in fact, uh, or it, says it actually talks about just hundreds of folks who gave away things and who were sawn asunder and lived the life and everything else uh, that they experienced. And they are the life of faith. They are witnesses. But, you know, I've been studying ancestry uh, for a while, my own ancestry, and it's... Uh, the community of faith isn't just what happened thousands of years ago, is it? The community of faith that encourages us and is there to encourage and teach us is, well, in my ancestry, I was looking back, and a lot of my family, the Nixes, and uh, they come from Alabama, actually from England and Wales and all those kind of places. But I was looking into my family, and uh, in uh, Alabama, in the hill country of above Birmingham, the Nixes lived, and uh, there was, in 1850, uh, this one Nix uh, was a, uh, a farmer. He had 10 kids. And you understand why he was a farmer. 10 years later, he's listed with those same 10 kids, maybe 11 now, but now he's a Baptist preacher. How interesting is that? So, you know, I look back, and that's uh, 100 and some odd, uh, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, something like that, and that is a testimony of faith. And then Somebody else in the family uh, were Christians. My grandmother and uh, uh, my grandmother Thelma brought me to church years ago. And uh, she was a, a part of this community and a testament, testimony of faith. And she brought me to church and my brothers and my sisters. And that was where I met Linda. Uh, first Sunday I went into that church. I looked forward and saw this beautiful young lady from the back. And I said, I'd like to take her on a date. And uh, 48 years ago... Well, actually, more like 49, I guess, maybe 50. Uh, we met, and we've been together ever since. But I think of all of that community of faith, the people that led me to the Lord. It's not just my physical ancestry, is it? It's a spiritual ancestry. Think back on all of those folks that have influenced our spiritual lives. The person that led you personally to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you think of that person? They are like... Abraham and Elijah, they're a part of this community of faith that have lived the life and testified to us about what it means to live a life of faith, aren't they? And they have passed that to us in a spiritual way, not just a physical way, but in a spiritual way. And then we have this community about which we are this morning. The Hebrews actually goes on a little bit later and says, Do not forsake the gathering together of the body, as is the manner of some. Don't quit going to church is basically what he says. Don't go away from the body because we're important to one another. We need each other. 
because we are a resource for faith. When we have problems, when we have difficulties, uh, we're praying for folks who have had surgery, who have had difficulties, who have problems, and we are that resource that is so important to help us to live it as a life of faith. Uh, years ago, I was running in a half marathon, and um, it was from Georgetown in the mountains of Colorado all the way down to uh, another small town near the base. It was 13 and a half miles. And I thought, hey, it's going to be all downhill, so it's going to be easy. I had been running, but it turns out that the run was actually up and down and up and down and lots of up and down and up and down and everything else. And so, I mean, it was exhausting. Half marathon, I'd worked out with a lot of folks, and I'd worked out with one guy in particular, John Ford. And he wasn't running that day. His daughter did, so he was there. And I came around uh, the final corner to the end. I could see the, the uh, finish line. It was at the top of a hill. I'm going, what? And I'm running this race, and now I've got to run uphill to finish. And I was exhausted. And just at that point, as I'm starting up that long hill, and I'm not quite crawling, I'm still running, but barely, John Ford comes out of the crowd that's there, comes alongside me and runs along with me and says, Dane, you can do it. You can do it. Come on, let's go. That's what this community of faith does. And we got across the finish line. uh, Great guy, John. But we're a resource, and that's what this is all about, isn't it? That as a community, we help each other, we run alongside of each other, and I mean, how essential is it that we have that? I I did a, a paper recently on a chaplain in World War I, and his job uh, was to go over the top of the trench with the troops, and as a chaplain, he was to go find a place to do the Red Cross work, to actually tend to the wounded. And he did that by himself, and he wrote in his journey just one pal, in his journal, just one pal, that makes all the difference. We have more than just one pal, don't we? We have each other. And this is a resource for the life of faith. But the second uh, principle that we have here is, uh, in terms of resources for a life of faith, is a little bit of wisdom. He says, laying aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us, let us run with endurance. Three different pieces of wisdom, uh, guidance in terms of how we can uh, actually run the race. Number one, laying aside every encumbrance. What are they? Well, we know in racing, we watch TV or whatever else. If you've ever run a race, what do you do? you get down to the, you know, as few clothes as you can in terms of running. You don't want any excess weight. I don't ever see people running in a parka and uh, heavy boots and those kind of things. Light shoes, light clothing, etc. right? We want to get rid of all the excess weight that we possibly can. In the Christian life, the excess weight is, well, you know, all of those different experiences of life. They're not sin, but they're the things that we experience that cause us difficulty and slow us down in terms of living the life, the Christian life. Uh, I'm a child of, a, of an alcoholic, and uh, we know that children of al- alcoholics, adult children of alcoholics, actually have some, some, some things that they struggle with. For instance, I am a control freak. Well, not completely control freak, but it's really bugging this, me this morning that I don't have control of the slides because of, at school, you know, as I'm teaching, I'm, I've got the little clicker and I have control of that slide and I'm right there and, you know, I know exactly what's going on with it and here I'm completely out of control. Linda said this to me this morning, let it go, Dane. <laughs> That's hard for me. 
but we all have those little uh, issues in our lives. Maybe you had a relationship that uh, broke up. Uh, maybe uh, at some, you're, you're insecure about something. You have an insecurity about, uh, you know, uh, about people who have uh, lots of stuff, and you don't have the same kind of stuff. That, we don't feel good about that sometimes. Um, and uh, we have these uh, little insecurities and backgrounds and so on. Maybe you have an illness, and that illness has struck you, and it's making you difficult to, to live the Christian life because you go, why me? Why? You know, I've been a great person all my life. And why is it that I'm experiencing that? That kind of thing is not sin in itself, but it can turn into sin if we let it, right? So my point about having the, uh, the control thing, if I am so upset about it that I control all those in my life, that can be sin for me, right? Uh, if, in fact, I had a broken relationship and all guys or all gals are evil now, I'm not going to go into any relationships at all in the future, then that can become sin to me. If I had a problem in church years ago, and uh, as a result of that problem in church, I quit going to church, and I said, well, all Christians are hypocrites, and I'm never going there again. That, in fact, can, can turn into sin in my life. Uh, Linda and I received an email from a lady uh, just two days ago completely out of the blue. We hadn't heard from this lady in 35 years. And uh, she was telling us her story. She came unto the, to the Lord in our ministry in Colorado when we were there. A uh, wonderful lady. She played, in the, uh, uh, she played the piano and was all, all sorts of helpful and everything else. And she had some problems with the church. And she, told, she got back in touch with us just the other day. She sent me a long email. I sent it back. And we uh, conversed uh, yesterday uh, for a little while. And uh, she actually, uh, she said she had problems in the church, and she left church for 10 years. Well, just the problems in the church, that's not sin, right? But that's the burden. That's the, the thing that uh, we need to deal with. And instead, what she did, though, which I'm going to leave it up between her and the Lord, whether it was sin or not, but she didn't go to church for 10 years, she said. And there was a really interesting little line in the email, she said, and it was harmful to myself. I hurt myself by not going. And finally, after 10 years, I went back. Now, what do we do with those burdens when we're aware of them? Well, like her, the Lord got a hold of her, and, and she actually said, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and pointed out what I've done wrong, and I went back. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit will do that. Some of those burdens that we have in our lives, we maybe need some help. It's completely appropriate for you and I as Christians to go to a counselor and you know, talk about the kind of things and problems that we've got and actually, you know, get help with that kind of thing. But as the book of Hebrews says, be very careful lest a root of bitterness rise up and what? By it, many be defiled. So get rid of the burdens, watch out for the sin because it will trip you up and then run with endurance, as it says here, the race that is set before us. Because it is a long race, isn't it? It's a long race. And we've all experienced how long it is. Now, when I first preached on this, and I preached on this before, this particular passage, I love it. It was like 30 years ago. And I, as I've already shared with you, I was an active runner. I can't run anymore. You know, the, all the miles, the doctor actually told me, he says, your body has only so many miles in it in terms of running, right? And uh, I can't run anymore. As soon as I try to run, I get injured, and it you know, hurts, and, I, you know, and all kinds of issues with that, so I don't run anymore. So what does this say? And a lot of us are like that. Now, if you're young and you can run, go for it. Enjoy it. You know, we'll watch you from the sidelines and, and cheer you on and everything else. And enjoy that, by the way, because uh, when you're my age, you go, I wish I could. But, uh, but the point is, things have changed. And it doesn't really 
talk to me anymore about running the race. But Isaiah 40, 31, for instance, says, Behold, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary, which I used to do. Now I, I walk and not faint, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm in the walking mode these days. And then sometimes the best I can do is stand, right? And this, the scripture says that we are to walk uh, in faith. Uh, we stand, uh, and we're sure that we, don't st- uh, uh, that we stand firm against the evil one. Peter actually talks about standing because the, the lion is a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. And so, uh, you know, I do those kind of things. And then it says, well, sometimes I sit, but I have to be careful where I sit, don't I? It says in Psalm 1, do not sit in the seat of scoffers. And we have to be careful about the places in which we sit. Sometimes life is such that I can't do any of those things. And like last week when pastor was preaching, like Jairus and the woman who touched the, heart, the garment of our Lord, all we can do is get down on our hands and knees and crawl. And some of us are in, in that kind of a situation in our lives too, is, aren't we? And, and we know that if we just keep going, though, forward, which is what the Lord wants us to, we'll experience that victory in Jesus. Sometimes it gets to the point where all we can do is look up. And that's where it says in Hebrews, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because Jesus is everything. In John chapter 3, Jesus says some important words. I think I'll just I'll read them for you because they are so important to us. He says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him would, not, would have eternal life. And that's actually a quote that comes back from the book of Numbers. And in the book of Numbers, uh, the children of Israel were complaining. They weren't getting the right kind of food. They didn't, I think they, you know, they, they didn't like what they were getting. Moses, God was providing it for them, and they were complaining constantly, uh, etc. And so God sent, as uh, discipline, he sent fiery serpents among them, and many were getting bit and were dying. Uh, and uh, they came to Moses and said, help us, you know, help us to, to deal with this. And in fact, uh, God gave an answer to that. I'll read in verse 6 of uh, Numbers 21. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, because we have spoken against the Lord, and, and you intercede with the Lord, that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that when anyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he shall live. Wow. Jesus is likening himself to a fiery serpent. Have you ever thought about that? It's sort of interesting. But it's not the fact of the fiery serpent. It's the fact of our looking up to Jesus. A.W. Tozier, in his book, The Pursuit of God, takes these very verses and says that the essence of faith is simply looking up to Jesus. The essence of faith is simply looking up to Jesus, to take our eyes off of all the difficulties and the trials and all of the distractions of life and simply 
fixing our eyes, as the author of Hebrews says, on Jesus Christ. That's the essence of faith. Now, what the, what the uh, Satan is attempting to do in all of our lives is to do what? To distract us. To take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and off of his work. He says here, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. All of our theology of the cross is contained in this brief scripture. Amazingly, everything about the theology of the cross is right here. Jesus went to the cross. He is the one who is the captain of our faith, said another uh, translation. The captain, the one who's in charge of making it happen. He's the perfecter, the teleon. He's the one that brought it to completion. How amazing is that? He himself brought it to completion. For the joy set before him, everything Jesus did was to please his father. He said in the garden, as he was thinking about that cross, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. And so Jesus, his joy is to actually fulfill the will of his Father in heaven. And that is the joy that brings him to the cross. But it's more than just, I mean, fulfilling the will of the, will of the Father is everything, isn't it? But there's more. The joy is also you and me. We are Jesus' joy. Can you believe that? That's why I talk about the victorious and joyful Christian life. Jesus' joy is the fact that you and I have salvation in him. As he was thinking about the cross and going to it, he's thinking of Dane and Heidi and Linda and Mom Page and all of us, the fact that we could share eternity with him. How, ma- how amazing is that? But the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, all because you and I could have salvation. Amazing and true in that regard. The cross and Jesus is everything. He has finished it. He's completed it. Consider him. Consider him. Fix your eyes on him. The burdens, the sin, Satan wants to take our eyes off of him. I think of Peter. And remember when uh, Jesus is walking on water and uh, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, let me come out and walk with you. And Jesus says, come. Just like he says to all of us, come and walk on the water with him. Experience life with him. And so he's fixing his eyes on Jesus and Peter walked on the water. Maybe a step, maybe two. But then what happened? took his eyes off of the Lord. And it says that his eyes got on to the wind and the waves. And what did he do? He sank. And exactly like you and me, he did exactly what any of us would do. He cried out, Lord, save me. He said a lot louder than that, I'm sure. And I don't know exactly how far into the water Peter went, but it says that Jesus reached out and brought him in. And Jesus' words to him were, O ye of... Little faith, exactly, because you took your eyes off of me. The essence of our faith is fixing our eyes on Jesus. Resources that we have to live the victorious and the joyful Christian life. Uh, First of all, a community, us. Secondly, this wisdom, putting aside the encumbrances and the sin and running 
sitting, walking, crying, everything with endurance. That endurance means we stay to it, we stick to it. And then Jesus is everything. Cute story. A guy brings a uh, dead duck to his vet. And uh, he says to the vet, Doctor, please do something for my duck. And uh, the doctor says, I'm sorry, but your duck is dead. Uh, this, uh, for any children in the group, this has, you know, maybe I'll to, anyway, never mind. Anyway, uh, your duck is dead. And uh, the person says, oh, but please do something for my duck. Are you sure you haven't done anything to check him out? Uh, and so uh, the doctor says, well, just hold on a second. And he goes out of the room for a second, comes back in with a Labrador retriever. And the, labrador- the retriever, you know, looks at the duck, sniffs it up and down. Looks at the doctor with those big sad eyes that we all know that labs have and uh, shook his head and walked out. And then the, uh, the doctor went out of the room again and brought, for us cat people, brought back a kitty cat. And the kitty cat uh, is, you know, purring around the, the duck and sort of reaches over and touches it a little bit and shakes it. And uh, looks up at the vet and goes out. And the doctor says, uh, I'm sorry, but indeed your duck is dead. <sighs> All right, doc, I understand. So the doctor goes over the computer, prints off the bill, gives it to him. $1,500! Why $1,500? All he did was tell me my duck was dead. And the doctor said, well, if you had taken my word for it, the bill would have been $20, but I had to get a lab report and a CAT scan. And so <laughs> Yes. There is the moral to my story. Apart from Jesus, you're a dead duck, yes. So. I shared that story with a, some friends the other night, and they said, you don't, they don't expect much of a guest preacher, so you're, you're okay. <laughs> But, you know, uh, the theology, uh, we laugh a little bit, but we have a principle that I teach over in my class called the KISS principle. Keep it simple, sir. <laughs> and at one point, uh, the disciples uh, started understanding exactly what uh, was going on with Jesus Christ. It was difficult that they were going to be called to do things that would be tough in life. And many of the disciples have said, left Jesus. And Peter, uh, Jesus looked at Peter and said, will you uh, also leave me, as well as the twelve? And Peter said, where shall we go, go, Lord? Only you have the words of life. And that's the simple theology, isn't it? It's not you know, all the uh, books and everything else, but it's simple theology. Only Jesus has the words of life. And in the Roller coasters of life that we experience, Jesus gives us the resources that we need to live it victoriously and joyfully. I'm going to pray now if the group wants to come up. Let's pray. Father God, we do understand that uh, you sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior, that apart from him, we do not have resources for life. Apart from Jesus Christ, life is just a roller coaster. It's not a roller coaster, but a merry-go-round, just going in circles, going nowhere. 
with Jesus, it's a roller coaster. Uh, ups and downs, uh, sometimes frightening uh, ups, sometimes frightening downs. And yet we know that in the midst of all of that, Jesus is with us, walking alongside us, giving us the strength, the resources to emerge victoriously. Lord, if there's anyone in this place this morning who hasn't come to a saving faith in you, I just pray that maybe you speak to them today. Help them to understand that they need Jesus, that apart from him, uh, there is no hope in life. For all the rest of us, remind us, Lord, that uh, there are difficulties and trials, and yet if we would fix our eyes on you constantly, steadfastly throughout life, we will in fact find that resources that we need for joy and victory. It's in your name we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen.